It's been a little while, but I am back. I am your host, Terrence Young, and this is Finding Japan.、Uh, there's a few reasons why I've been out for a while. One is just plain、ah, busyness, laziness, but also just thinking about what direction I want to take the show in. And the other main reason, and actually it's kind of good news, is that I've, I think I mentioned this before, I wanted to do interviews. And I finally、uh, got an interview under my belt,、I、have another one coming up today. I'm going to be recording and have a few more in the future. Hopefully, a whole lot more actually in the future、uh, with some interesting people who are doing cool things in Japan.、Uh, other than that, what can I tell you? What, I've,、uh, what have I been up to other than stumbling over my words as I'm doing right now?、Uh, been surviving winter in Tokyo, which actually I have to admit is better in a lot of ways than winter was in Kobe because in Kobe I lived in an old house on a hill,、uh, Mount Roko. On the foothills of Mount Roko, which is the mountain range that、uh, the city, the beautiful city that I miss of Kobe,、uh, lies against. And I was quite a bit up ways on the hill in an old 50 year old Western style house covered with beautiful ivy. Looks like a cross between,、um, I don't know, a continental European summer cottage and kind of a ghost house. Lovely house, but freaking cold. I remember winners just wearing a down jacket. Cool outdoor gear and、um, sitting in my house. And when friends would come over, they would look at me, Are you going somewhere or did you come in from the outside? And I was like, Nope, this is my full indoor gear.、Uh, yeah, there was heating, but it's like a campfire. It's warm when you're around, right up against it, but the minute you step away, it's cold. And the minute you turn it off, the heat goes away. Pretty bad. But here in Tokyo,、um, we did have a couple of snowstorms. I think the first one was a couple weeks ago.、Uh, was, uh, my good buddy Rob、uh, came to visit from Osaka. And me, him, and Aaron,、uh, we all hung out and had a bunch of nice、uh, drinks and adventures. And then、um, crashed out at Aaron's place and woke up in the morning to a winter wonderland. That was pretty cool. And then a few days later, another record snowstorm comes in. And, you know, not as crazy, but still、uh, amazing. Uh, but I live in a much warmer house. I think my training on the hill for the 13 years, almost 13 years, that I lived in that other house has made me strong against the cold elements. And yeah, other than that, not much, not much else going on in、um, Tokyo in general. We have a new governor,、uh, Masuzoe Yoichi.、Uh, He's said some crazy things, some comment about women or something I can't even remember. I haven't even looked it up. You know, check out the, you can check out the newspapers or the news. There's plenty on him, I'm sure.、Um, maybe I'll talk about that sometime in the future.、Uh, but not today. Today, what I have in store for you is an interview with my buddy Tom, who、um, is a fellow Democrats Abroad Japan member. That's how I met him.、Uh, he's actually the secretary, I think. Not the treasurer, but the secretary. Of the organization.、Uh, we often meet at least once a month at Drinking Liberally、uh, at the Aldgate pub where we just have drinks and shoot the breeze about politics, Japan, life, things in general. So, actually, last night,、uh, me and him met up at the Aldgate pub in Shibuya、uh, for a cool interview.、Uh, he was great about it.、Uh, great speaker, great talker, interesting guy. You know,、uh, We were drinking a bunch of Erdinger.、Uh, Weizen, German Weizen beer, very、uh, lovely, lovely beer. 
And uh, yeah, talking about his life, he's a lawyer. He trained as a lawyer here in Japan. He uh, is a linguistic advisor for a UN Institute on uh, crime prevention. So I talked to him about what brought him to Japan, about his work. Yeah. A little bit about society, the ladies, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, it was a great interview. So yeah, here we go. Um, I'll see you guys again on the flip side. Here we are, man. First, let's see a little cheers. Here we are. Cheers. Good talking. Prost. Let's enjoy it. So, just thought I'd start off with a little bit like, you know, what you do and why you're here in Japan. Yeah, well, um, I currently work at a UN Institute on Crime Prevention in um, Fuchu. Um, I'm the linguistic advisor there, but I'm also an attorney. So, um, my number one function is basically to do a lot of editing and assist the professors with English language documents. And um, uh, I also am very lucky to uh, have the opportunity to help out with some planning for an upcoming uh, Congress, the United Nations Congress on Crime Prevention. So it's a great opportunity for me to uh, stay involved with the, uh, with the legal profession and uh, have a job be gainfully employed here in Tokyo. So, All right, cool. So you're not... Yeah, obviously you you have a American uh, law, uh, lawyering license. Right? Yeah, I got a law license a law from. License? A, yeah, I practice I practice law for eight years in uh, Chicago, okay. so I'm Illinois licensed so attorney. License in Illinois, so you don't practice law here in Japan, but you do do some maybe not legal advice, but just kind of give your expertise. Yeah, your expertise to kind of legal matters. Exactly. I use a, I I use a fair amount of the skills that I had in terms of oh negotiation and um, how to communicate effectively with people. Uh, from other organizations, which it's a little different, I think, in um, from maybe the Japanese way of, of communicating. Okay, how, Give, in what sense? Given that foreigners, uh, well, I shouldn't say all foreigners, but, but Westerners, to paint in broad strokes, mm-hmm. prefer a combination of direct communication, informal communication. Um, and so actually trying to... Uh, work with professors at my institute on how to do small talk via email to try and kind of just make the situation a little more comfortable and not so machine-like. There does tend to be in Japan a lot of things where one, I think you brought up two good points. Um, Not just, uh, what was it, you said, uh, uh, not just direct, but informal. Yeah. yeah. And Japanese is interesting because oftentimes it's indirect. It's not, we realize it's it's indirect, but it's also formal, which I think is a... Interesting right. distinction or interesting combination. Right, right. I, you know, um, it's a little bit off point, but but one of the observations that I've had here um, after being in Japan for two years uh, is that, you know, they talk about Japanese hospitality, and indeed the Japanese are very uh, hospitable people, they're, and they're wonderful people. Mm-hmm. But our view of hospitality, you know, southern what is southern hospitality in the States? It means relax. Uh, take a deep breath. Don't you don't have to worry about all those formalities around me. You can just yeah. you can just be yourself. You can feel free to make mistakes, mm-hmm. and it's uh it's just very different from Japan where everything is very very formal and they, they they're trying to put you at ease yeah. um, by showing so much formal respect for you. So yeah, it's, kind it's of a interesting. Curious they're trying to put you at ease with that, but it actually ends up often making you more you know more nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. You know, I. Uh, 
I, one of my jobs is I work at Apple at the Apple Store, and um, I'm doing customer service. So that idea of like with Japanese customers, often like I try to be careful, make sure I'm careful with my words, and I try to be formal. But sometimes I, I can tell that. They are probably giving me more permission than I give myself to just、mm. kind of relax yeah, and yeah. be informal with them. But I just don't want to—I don't want to make that mistake because Japanese language is really sensitive to how what you say, and you can misspeak. And I've had customers get angry at me because they thought I was being very rude, and I was just really trying to focus on figuring out their problem. Right. It, it made my Japanese break down a little bit. Right. And they just took it as you know, disrespect, and it was just like, whoa! Like a guy like went off on me. Like he was like timid, which is like in、wow. Japanese. Yeah. It was on the phone. South Park reference. And I was having a hard time, like. Hearing him on the phone and was trying to understand his problem, and that combination just—I I reflected on it. I was like, "Yeah, probably." He was like, "Your use of language is not—it's you know, been inappropriate this whole time."、And、it's like, "Whoa!" Like, because <laughs> I couldn't hear him getting irritated about.、It. He suddenly just snapped at me. It was just like. Yeah. I couldn't hear him, and I went like, "Huh? Like hi?" And he, he you know, like, answering、yeah. someone in Japanese when you're supposed to be polite in that way. Is, Huh? Well, you know, it's yeah, like, it's hard to like. I didn't mean to be rude, but I was just I really couldn't hear him, so I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> my ja- my Japanese is not so hot, so I probably haven't gotten to that level yet. But、um, but I do know that I, we just had a situation at work where I had to smooth out some communications with one of our sister institutes in Sweden,、yeah. um, and basically it was just the way we submitted the proposal, so、mm-hmm. um, it came across as. Competitive instead of collaborative, and、okay. and it was something that that、uh, had I been consulted on it earlier,、yeah. so uh, it would have been helpful. The, the the Japanese side was making a proposal, and the Swedes took it as competitive. The the, the there was a proposal submitted by the Swedes basically,、okay. and then then we submitted a proposal in response,、mm-hmm. and it should have been more like. Comments or suggestions, okay.、Um, but instead, it was titled as a proposal that adopted part of what they said and had new ideas. So it caused us a lot of friction. Well, it made, and, it made it look like one, you were competing. Yeah. Two, you were、exactly. taking other someone else's like some of their ideas, and then being like, "Here's our ideas." Like, Whoa, back up. When really that probably was not the intention. Exactly. So, so I, I finally, after understanding the problem, I said, "Would you?" Would you let me just write a mea culpa email, and we'll we'll just apologize for it. We'll get over it, and、uh, and fortunately we've we've been able to sort of restore that relationship. But it it shows why, in my opinion, my my maybe not so humble personal opinion is that it's an important job and and helps facilitate communication on an international level. Yeah. So. It's the、uh, UN Office of, of Crime Prevention. It is the. It is called the United Nations Asia and Far East Institute for the Prevention of Crime and Treatment of Offenders. Okay. So what kind of prevention of what kind of what kinds of crime? Well, we the, the issues that we focus on are、um, treat. Well, in terms of crime prevention, we do a lot with、um, corruption, anti-corruption. Okay, that I'm not surprised、um, by that. And、sense. and in in you know Southeast Asia, that's kind of a、uh, a hot topic.、Um, I I suppose I'm pleased to report that there is no corruption in Japan. According to according <laughs> some to. of the、uh, some of the presentations、okay. I've heard,、um, uh, however, of course, we have the issue with the、uh, with the Tokyo governor stepping down.、Uh, one of the、uh, new guys running in Tokyo, from what I understood, the、uh, Koizumi guy,、yeah. uh, my 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 wife, who's Japanese, was telling me that he basically was caught up in a corruption scandal back in the day.、Okay. I, I don't have 
pardon me, I don't have any facts to back yeah, that yeah. up, but it's quite clear that there is corruption here, mm-hmm. and um, but uh, that's a different different oh, story. There's, there's so. definitely a lot of corruption. Because um, I think a lot of things is that, for example, um, compared to, although there's, cor- of course, corruption in the U.S. too, and in oh, and absolutely. Western, Western European countries also. Agreed. But... Um, the U.S. and Western European countries tend to be more in the relationship, you know, like business or political relationships, tend to be very contract oriented. That's why sometimes mm. I think uh, I think that's why sometimes Japanese are appalled at how much we sue each other or how much like contracts oh, yeah. and, right, the, and right. the contents of contracts and how you're bound by them are very important. And there's a good and bad to that. Obviously, yeah. too much litigation is not good. But the, one of the reasons why, in some ways, litigation is low in Japan is some of it has to do with paperwork and bureaucracy, and it's a pain in the butt to litigate here compared to the U.S., I think. And the other problem is, though, that culturally, like, there's a lot of informal... Although we talked earlier about formal and informal, mm. the way Japanese tend to get into, like, business or political relationships tends to be not informal in the sense of the way they speak to each other, but informal in the sense that rather than be bound by, like, legalese and contracts, they tend to do it by... Uh, connections and personal relationships. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, in fact, um, a good a good example of that and is uh, I was I was really happy to see a um, a memorandum of understanding come across my desk with a with a uh, foreign government, and um, so I was uh, the intent was that I would just proof the language, <laughs> but by being a lawyer, I was able to look at it and yeah. say, "Hey, guys." Sorry, but you're, you're kind of missing some of the key elements here, even down to um, distilling the purpose of the agreement. Yeah. Why are you going to go to the, all the trouble to have a memorandum of understanding with another government mm-hmm. if you can't identify the purpose in clear, plain English language? Yeah. And um, so, I, of course, I can't go into the de- details of what the agreement was about, but but basically it. Um, it, it, it was clear to me that, that some of the prosecutors that were involved in putting it together mm-hmm. didn't really have a, a contractual under, an understanding of how okay. to draft contracts yeah. in, a, in a Western style. So yeah. in that way, I, I contri- I'm able to contribute a lot as well. Yeah. So. I mean, I think you know, between kind of governmental organizations, obviously it's still an issue. But had that been a business thing or something to do more with, like, you know, something to do where, where like, money or property would be exchanged, that could be big trouble. You know, I think people do not understand that Absolutely. The, Absolutely. the legal context of a agreement or a document or a relationship is quite important. And I don't think it's just limited to Japanese. I think it's hard for the average person to understand that, you know, there's a reason some of these legal constraints and structures exist. They can become cumbersome and burdensome, but they have their purpose. That's right. And, and in fact, in this particular example, we needed better language to say, if I can uh, paraphrase from the movie Caddyshack, there will be no money. <laughs> there was, uh, <laughs> um, it, you know, making it clear that there were no financial obligations that were that were yeah. uh, brought up by this particular agreement. Yeah. And uh, when I first read the draft, I was kind of scratching my head. So, um, anyway, um it's uh, it's an interesting way I can contribute. So, ah, cool. So you've been here for about two years and in that position for about two years. I've been here actually. Uh, that's kind of true. But uh, but I was I've been here for two years. Um, as I mentioned before, my wife is Japanese, and that's the number one reason I moved over here. Um, everything was going fine at work, and but uh, so I really shocked the partner when I told him, "Hey, I've, 
Sorry, I'm going to quit and move to Japan. Oh, your your law firm. In my law firm okay. back in back in the Chicago yeah, so area. What, what kind of law firm you were with, and what, yeah, what, what I was kind a, of law were you doing when you I, were there? I worked at I worked at small firms, um, which was great in that it gave me a lot of hands-on practice mm-hmm. and, and client interaction and you get more to be responsibility. Quite in the middle of things, even in, early on in your yeah, career, it's exactly. not like a giant corporation. Exactly. Firm or, yeah. And um, I did um, well. What I told everybody over there was I. Uh, practice in business law and civil and commercial litigation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did common, a good mix of transactional work and litigation. Mm-hmm. And um, um, so I do have trial experience. Although one, one of the things that I wish I had had more of was trial was trial experience. Um, but you kind of take that as it comes, and it depends on your clients and the cases. Yeah. So and the field of law you practice too. Some, I imagine that some fields of law you're going to be in the courtroom a lot more. Or other fields of law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that's that's very true. I mean, hopefully, one of the one of the best ways that that I was able to represent my client was in a real estate deal um, that was starting to go south, and by having an understanding of of litigation, uh, civil litigation concepts, I was able to apply leverage to show the other side how our lawsuit was going to be put together, and in a in a fair but um, it's what any attorney would do is kind of you know flex your muscle and show <laughs> show that you're uh, that you're ready to go to the mattresses uh, okay. another movie Godfather there, there you go. um, yep. and um, so and it, it worked out to my client's so best interest actually so. able to avoid court we by, were able to avoid court by, by saying, flexing hey, look, muscle yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, I have you know I have like this civil law experience and I'm, I'm telling you know all right you knew how to you knew how to package a strategy or or uh, what do they call I guess you broker you well yeah you it's sort of it's sort of uh, it's posi- positioning mm-hmm. I mean it's a combination of negotiation but but you try and position yourself I was talking to people about this at work um, you know the the way that you try and get something that you want is to take a look at the facts take a look at the law mm-hmm. and try and extrapolate what's what's going to happen yeah and so you can, by by using those skills and that knowledge, you can leverage. you can leverage your yeah. position and say, hey, listen, it's there's risk to you, there's risk to us, so maybe we can get this worked mm-hmm. out. And in fact, we were able uh, we were able to get it worked out. So, right. cool. yeah. Okay, so you were doing so. How long were you a lawyer in the states? About about eight years. Yeah. About eight years. Okay. You came out of law school and yeah, yeah. For eight years as a lawyer, and then came to Japan. And then came to Japan. So just to like kind of bring it back to Japan, not even just when you came here, but what was your first like? What's the first time that anything about Japan ever even came into your life or came across your mind? Was there any cartoons you used to watch as a child, or a toy, or or even a trip you took early on? Or well, yes. Um, so. I'm, I don't even know that it was Japanese, but I'm just going to assume it was Japanese. Okay. Was uh, Voltron? I don't know if you remember Voltron, but it's Korean and that's so racist. Oh, it's Korean? Is it really? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, um, Voltron. But, yeah, it is Japanese. But, okay. Yeah. Um, but I love I love Voltron. If it wasn't Japanese, it was Japanese inspired. That's for sure. But yeah. Uh, but anyway, but I had the um, uh, I had the full like lead paint. Voltron robot the, the, the cat and ones because there was several Voltrons like yeah 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 no but this was the real deal the, the lion the, yeah, this was the lion lions, and right. it was with it, it, it also it had lead paint on it yeah um, so that no, maybe dates no, me a little no, bit no no but, no I love uh, Voltron we're about the same age yeah yeah but I, you know <laughs> I didn't even be a bit older I just didn't suck on the Voltron so 
Yeah, Voltron's awesome. I maybe sound a little weird, but <laughs> hopefully, uh, I didn't put I didn't put the pieces in my mouth, so I didn't, uh, or maybe I did, and that explains my uh, my answer. Yeah. But no, so there's Voltron, and, and uh, um, form blazing sword, um, and um, but in third, no, sorry, second grade, um, second grade, there was a teacher who, she wasn't my teacher, but she was the, um, she was one of the other second grade teachers, Mm -hmm. and she had been to Japan for some reason, I have no idea why, and we had kind of an origami day, basically they said, hey, this is pretty cool, Um, she's got something to to share that's international, so they brought us together and from the different classes and we uh, we did some origami had oh, Japanese okay. lanterns right. and so like a, stuff like that uh, like an, not extracurricular but a special culture day culture class culture yeah it class. was yeah which the, is the woman who was brought in was a Japanese woman. No, she wasn't Japanese. She was a she was an American teacher, second okay. grade teacher well, from a different did. class, okay. and they said, "Hey, this this is something that we should share." Right. She knew so, about origami, and yeah. she wanted to teach the kids about yeah. that. But but I yeah. but to be perfectly honest, though, I, those were two long builds up build ups for. I really had never thought I would live in Japan. Didn't think much yeah. about it other than like. You know, military history, mm-hmm. World War Two, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you have a grandpa who? <laughs> who yeah, who I did. I occasionally, did. the words Japanese would come out of his mouth. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, watch out for them, the Japanese women. They're like witch doctors. I, my my grand my grandfather, uh, by the way, wonderful wonderful mm-hmm. man. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a generation experience. But the, I, yeah, this is this is kind of interesting though because. Um, you know, I believe that if uh, if he were sitting here with us mm-hmm. today, I think his in, his entire opinion of Japanese and Japanese culture would be completely different. A, I, and there's a um, who is it? Uh, not James Cameron. One of those guys who likes to look for stuff on. Not James Cameron, but maybe it's James Cameron. No, another like a like a oceanography documentarian or whatever. He's looking for. Um, uh, what is it? some some battle like some battle from World War Two where mm. some ship has been sunk or something, something Midway. That's oh, right. Okay. And so yeah. some of the remnants of the ships that sunk oh, right, in Midway. Right. And so he, he he has all this equipment, this big ship, and they you know, doing a survey of the area. And they brought along four four veterans from World War Two, two Japanese guys, two American guys. And yeah, you know, and a little bit they're talking about that. They're like, yeah, we were, you know, yeah, we fought each other, but now we can consider ourselves like brothers in, in, in a similar, yeah. you know, similar experience. Right. Like we were enemies then, but now we're brothers in arms, or we were, bro- you know, we're brothers in shared experience. So, right. You know, those guys are all in their 80s or 90s or whatever. And the documentary is showing them talk a little bit and exchange memorabilia and talk about their experiences and how they saw it. Yeah. Well, and you know, I don't want to deviate too much into criminal justice here, but we just completed a course on restorative justice which is which is the the process of bringing uh victims into the equation and bringing uh basically resolving disputes with between offenders and the victims and okay. all anybody who has an issue a Would stakeholder that to things like we have the comfort women issue and, and oh absolutely okay. absolutely and um because what it our our criminal justice system typically is a zero-sum game. It's either you're innocent or you're guilty. Um, you go to jail or you don't. Okay. And but but what restorative justice is trying to do is to, is trying to, and this this also applies to conflict uh, resolution in mi- military conflict specifically. So these same concepts is to bring the important stakeholders together, and that's the way that a lot of Aboriginal cultures 
still to this day re- solved. Reconciliatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even Aboriginal culture. Uh, Aboriginal culture, that makes sense. I was, yeah. When I hear the words Aboriginal, I immediately go to Australia, but actually what I was thinking was like Indian tribes and stuff. But I think what you yeah, know yeah. Aboriginal as in the generic sense. In the generic sense. The original but, culture. But also that specifically, because oh, one of our yeah. visiting experts works with the Aboriginal oh, okay. tribes in, in, yeah, uh, sure. and and it was the 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 real the, what's interesting about it is that you know a, a lot of people say at first and I did too well I see how this can happen uh, how you can use it for small crimes but can you really use it for big crimes yeah um, or big issues such as war and yeah. what whatnot um, and it, the answer seems to be yes absolutely you can not all the time but in many it's, times it's big big um, Big, not big issues, big situations or big, big contexts, but little things. By little, I don't mean to demean, but for example, like if you look at, yeah, whatever, like, like for example, war crimes. From, yeah. From World War Two. Yeah. So a war crime, World War Two, and war crimes in World War Two is a huge, it's a huge sphere. But but each thing done in that actually, you know, could mm. involve some very specific and smaller cases. Small in the sense of. There was actually individuals, and there was actually, you know, individual or small group perpetrators, and there's individual and small group victims, and there's also in betweens. So. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and I think that that the 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 concept is to understand that so ma- there's so many people that are involved with these issues that that each person has something to say and contribute, and it's the exchange of knowledge um, that that helps people get over their hate and get over their anger. Mm-hmm. And for example. There are there are uh, family members of people who have been murdered that to this day maintain strong relationships with the murderer of their family member. Wow! And and the the fact that this that this can happen shows that sometimes there's some exchange that can happen yeah. that can really uh, create a lot of positive value for everybody. And I think I think that one of the key points is look at. Um, it's perhaps it's understanding you say you know murderer kills victim yeah and the family doesn't understand why and it's and it's mm-hmm. why did that happen yeah and then for example if you were to find out well the the murderer um, was sexually abused as a kid mm-hmm. had no father yeah. um, was forced to fight for himself so yeah. on and so forth and you start to see mm-hmm. wow well I I, I understand now why he didn't make good decisions, yeah. and it doesn't it doesn't solve the problem, but it no. kind of takes it puts it in perspective in a way that you can that you can say, wow, he had a lot of problems too, mm-hmm. and that type it doesn't mean that he shouldn't be culpable for the crime. No. Of course he is, and and for that he's got to serve the time. Yeah. But at the same time, can you can you rehabilitate? Can you work to rehabilitate mm-hmm. the the offender and the relationships and make yeah. the world a better place after it? Yeah, and. The, the answer is yeah. Sometimes you can. Uh, I was I'm always, uh, oftentimes when it comes to those kind of like the relationship between the uh, murderers and the and the victims' families or victims' relatives. I don't remember the specifics. This is something I heard on the radio, but it's a good 10, 15 years ago. But apparently there was a family, an American family, that was vacationing in Italy, and their son, who was probably five, six, a child, was basically abduct, abducted and killed. Mm. And then the murders were brought to justice in Italy, and Italy, I think, still doesn't, and at the time didn't have the death penalty, so they were right. in prison. And uh, 
the media or somebody must have asked the family, you know, your son was killed, there's no death penalty in this country, how do you feel about that? And they said that, we one, we respect the laws of Italy, the, the criminals were brought to justice, two, the death penalty was not bring our son back. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know what happened in their absolutely. life after that, and if, whether or not they ever had a face-to-face -face with the people or the person who killed their son, or, you know, I don't know any more of the situation right. than that. But I was really moved by their... I remember at the time, I think I read a quote or a statement, but I can't remember exactly what it was, but it seemed to me something where they were saying along the lines, like, we don't think that that kind of anger and that kind of, like, focus on they need to, those people need to die is productive. Yeah. Because our son, so, of course, very much, you know, obviously, and then probably devastated. I'm right. sure if those, I don't know if those people are probably still alive, but they're probably older, you know, they're a bit older now. And I'm sure every year on his birthday, they think about how old he'd be, what he'd be doing it right now. But, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know, I can't even imagine the details. But right. I just thought that was really, like, magnanimous or very, really big-hearted. And I yeah. really always took that. And I often say that to people who, who I've had discussions with people about the death penalty where their argument is that what about the victims, the family members of the victims? You know, you could also maybe put them in the category of victims, especially if it's a parent or someone real close. Right. Either the co-victim didn't die, by the way. What about those people? And uh, you know, they should get their revenge. Well, okay, if that's what you just, if that specific victim or the family member of the victim desires that, then perhaps that's justified. But to assume that everyone wants that, I think, is wrong. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That's what I was always moved by by that family saying, "No, we don't want that." And and I think I think you have to consider. You know, the role of the state in being a rational arbiter of disputes mm -hmm. and saying that, uh, you know, is is death really... Uh, I understand the family once uh, may want revenge. Yeah. I mean, we're human beings, and, yeah. and that's one of our imperfections Rage. is that we want revenge. Rage is a juicy, right. juicy emotion. It, it is. Oh. So, I mean, I, I, I've never been in that specific situation, yeah. and I don't know mm -hmm. how I would feel... But I can I can think about it enough to look in it in the into the future and say yeah. if it ever happened, it really shouldn't be up to me as as the victim or you know the the family member of the victim mm -hmm. as to whether or not somebody lives or dies. The state needs to have yeah. um, uh, has a role to play in that decision, and hopefully, um, I'm against the death penalty, so I mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's a different. We're on the death yeah. penalty, but it's a real deep conversation. It's a deep so. conversation, which is but, cool. Yeah. And I, I, I apologize to no, digress from uh, from Japan, oh, but we'll I think it's come, all it all yeah, circles we'll, together. Right? It all come back together. Yeah, right. Come back. Um, uh, but yeah, so maybe just to go back to Japan. Yeah, let's we, do that. Since we let's kind of we're in meta, we're kind of analyzing. What we're finding Japan yeah, here, aren't we? So. Finding Japan. So um, yeah. So what would you say? What would you say? You, know, you mentioned that, like, you, you, you know, you, you kind of admitted, or there's nothing wrong with admitting or confessing that, but just like, yeah, growing up, yeah, Japan is a part of the country. You know, yeah. They beat them World yeah. War Two, whatever. Grandpa, yeah. Grandpa hates them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever. And then you, you know, when was the first time you actually visited or came to Japan? Uh, the first time I came here was in uh, September of 2011. Okay. And my is that my in preparation of moving here, or because you, your uh, wife, you, yeah, at the time your fiance, I imagine. She. Actually, um, that that's the story. You took it right out of my mouth. I came here to propose to her. So we were together in the States for, for several years. So you met her and in the I met her in the she States. She was working in the States, living in the States. She was, uh, yeah, she was studying in the States and then had an internship. But um, 
like many people, she had difficulty finding a job, not because of her qualifications, but the visa and um, and the economy was just at a, at a really terrible, terrible place. So she she had an internship, and they said, "You're great, but we're we're not going to uh, sponsor your visa." And um, so, what in? I'll give a little shout out to my wife here, and um, it's like, you know. Annie Hall and Woody Allen and having Marshall McLuhan right there. It's like the, the, the perfect type of situation where she, they said, we're not going to sponsor your visa. So she applied for jobs in Japan and she got basically her dream job awesome. at the, at a huge company. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest players in, in their industry oh, that wow. all of her former coworkers, that was what they aspired to do was mm-hmm. to go work at, at that okay. this big company. Just what kind of industry? You don't have to uh, interior company. interior design, okay. commercial interior design. Okay. So like big projects for like uh, Hotel, big banks, big, big banks, banks, big okay. uh, IT firms okay. and media firms and wow. things like that. What does she so do? She she does uh, she, well. She does interior design for them. She does okay. a lot of work on the uh, on a lot of computer. Kind of like a lot of CAD work. Okay, she's training that. Des- she's training that. It's, so she designs. She's not quite architect, but it kind of. It, 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 Correct. There's, there's, she's not. She's not an architect, but but, but on the in inside the walls, okay. interior space, non load bearing walls. Yeah, okay. Um, she designs it, and, wow. and she's also an artist. Awesome. So um, oh, she. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, she got her dream job. Right. 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 That's great. Um, she got her dream job, and and we were so we were apart for a year. Yeah, okay. And um, the idea was it was going to be two years, and then she was going to move back. Okay. And um, but I came over to visit, and yeah. uh, I was getting tired of not being engaged, so I decided mm-hmm. I'd pop the question and uh, right. and uh, propose to her over here. And that was your first visit to Japan. That was my first visit to Japan for two <laughs> weeks. You get on a plane to go to a country you've never been to for the first time, and you're also going to pop the question. Yeah, and I know. <laughs> everyone else on the plane is looking at guidebooks, Mount Fuji, and you're just like. I, know. I got the speech right. <laughs> I'm. Oh, I got to meet the parents. How'd you make practicing? You're exactly right. I should have practiced some of that a little more. Yeah. But, but um, I had uh, basically I. Um, so, I wouldn't call myself a Buddhist per se, but I okay. I, I subscribe to the philosophy. Yeah. And her family is a family of Buddhist priests, so it's kind of good to okay. jump yeah. in there. Anyway, yeah. I. Um, My mom's Buddhist. I've tried to. Uh, just kind of let go. Okay. And uh, I realized I have very little control over the situation, mm-hmm. and I just have to do it when it feels right, and you know yeah. that's going to be the way it's going to happen. And if it's right or wrong, mm-hmm. it's the way it goes. Whatever. Yeah, man, so, yeah you gotta, you know. So I came over here and I proposed to her, and, and she said yes, and I surprised her. So it was mm-hmm. uh, so that that was great. And she, she I mean, she, she was she general. I mean, you know, I mean, I think sometimes we get an inkling of something coming. Mm. I mean, obviously, she probably understood you were serious about her, but but she was general, genuinely surprised at the timing. She, I think she was genuinely surprised. I think she told me afterwards. She said, "Actually, I really didn't think that you were going to propose to me because I I had said something in the past that was we're not ready yet, or I don't know, some, not not any, in a bad way, any, but just was there any issue with the fact that maybe at the time." You still hadn't decided whether you could come live in Japan. Was that something that was, you know, you had, yeah. your own, you know, you're a lawyer, you had, you know, in your own great career, your own practice. Obviously, you know, it's not, well, it's not, uh, you know, uh, I want to, I think of a country to bring up, but then I feel like I'm going to insult one person from the country. It's not Zimbabwe, you know. But I mean, but it, okay, let's just use Zimbabwe. It's not right. Zimbabwe, you know. It's, it's, it's Japan, you know. That's, that's a sure factually accurate statement. We also know it has a lot of problems. Right, right, right. <laughs> There's nothing, you know, so... 
Well, so uh, listener from Zimbabwe. (laughs) Um, We've we've got a lot of Africans here uh, for a course right now, and they're just wonderful people. So um, (laughs) there you go. um, Much better at it than I am. But uh, yeah, I think again the plan was that she was going to come back but I think deep in her heart after she got yeah. to Japan she said I, she said, I got here. my dream job probably didn't make you go yeah, yeah. she'll be back in a year no, right. it went, you went I might have to go to Japan right time right to, time to crack open that one Japan so <laughs> so, uh, so afterward what she said is would you apply for a job over here she's like just just take a look and mm-hmm. see what happens and I said, well, what the heck, you know, I can't, yeah. uh, I can always say no. I'm working for the UN, man. And, well, but actually, though, that's not, I took a bigger risk than, uh, yeah. so what I, what I did, I didn't find that job immediately when I came okay. over here. Um, I got over here working, uh, teaching English, and I made a decision to quit wow. my, quit my job in order to I teach English. I remember when we first met, you may have mentioned that. I, I probably yeah. did, but, um, so it was six months of uh, working like a foreigner, let's put it yeah, that way. Yeah, and very, uh, it's very, it's very Western, very English speaker, expat, landing in Japan, yeah, yeah. English. But my my hours were insane. The only way you can make money really is is you gotta you gotta you gotta teach classes at crazy hours. Yeah, and um, the the most inconvenient hours for you are the most convenient hours yep, for your customers. All done with their work. So, and it's also the customers who are businessmen. That's right. Those are the people, those are the lucrative ones. So I, I realized before too long that I was going to have to uh, start t- taking the first class at 7 a.m. and uh, oftentimes finish up at 11 p.m. with the last class Man. with some dead time in the middle and and it's not like lowering was a was a short hour job either yeah know? yeah but to imagine that 7, p- 7 a.m to 11 p.m that's insane it, it was it was exhausting because yeah. with travel time you get home you, you get about four or five hours of sleep yeah. and you get back up and you're at it the and next I'm sure day while you found you know a certain amount of joy and i'm sure you were good you're pretty good at it it's not you know you, you you're a lawyer you trained to, to, to do the law yeah though now you're not technically practicing as a lawyer you're, you're doing something that's in your wheelhouse right right Exactly, oh, no. and but but I have to say though, um, I learned a lot in those six months mm-hmm. because I talked to Japanese people mm-hmm. every day. Actually, I I pretty much worked. Maybe I'd have like one or two days off. Did you work for a particular school or? Yeah, I worked. I worked at GABA. Oh, okay. GABA. I called yeah. it GABA before, but then they started. I started hearing GABA. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's neither here nor there. But um, I, uh, I I worked I used there. To work in Berlin, so oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Well, Gaba's pretty high level too. Um, I worked at I worked at Berlitz uh, in St. Louis. Oh, you know another Japanese story. I had a I taught English for a short time in St. Louis, way back before I was a lawyer, mm-hmm. like after college, and um, and I had a Japanese uh, participant. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, I remember his name. We we called him Ike, um, and uh, I'm not sure why it was Ike, but. But we did, and I'm um, to think of what, what, what his original name could have been. I don't that know. Nickname in the Ike. It's not popping into my head no. either, but uh, but but it was. My name it, is Takashi. It, Ike. Takashi Ike. We'll call you Ike. Okay. I, I'm reading yeah. a book on Eisenhower now, so I'm thinking yeah. Eisenhower. I don't know how that can fit in there, but um, okay. So uh, so I had that connection too, but mm-hmm. I I I speak German and I lived in Germany. I spent about a year and a half of my life total in Germany, okay. so I thought that's where I was. You're pretty be. fluent. I'm I'm uh, I'm conversationally little, fluent. Maybe get a little rusty now. It's been know. getting it's been getting rusty, but actually with this African course, mm-hmm. uh, a guy from Benin mm-hmm. and a guy from. Uh, 
Mauritania. Were those the rare ones that were German colonies in Africa? Well, Namibia, Namibia, I know, was a German colony. For like a short time, right? Yeah. Some of them have multiple experiences. Some of them get, get passed on. Yeah. South Africa is that way, right? It's like South Africa. Duck, it was originally controlled by the Dutch. Yeah. But then the British came in there. So it's I, like dual. And several other ones are dual, too. Like, yeah. Uh, which some of the big ones that used to be owned by the French ones are the British and vice versa. Like, I know... Again, what, what I know for a fact is Namibia. Um, we've had some participants from Namibia, okay, and they've, Namibia. they've talked about the German... Angola. Angola is the one that was Portuguese, like one of the rare Portuguese African colonies. I'll take your word for that. Yeah, but, uh, Namibia, okay. Yeah, so, but anyway, so I've been able to speak some German there, and com- so I'm, I'm conversationally fluent, but I'll, I'll, I'd hit a wall at some point. But, yeah, but um, you definitely keep that up, man. Yeah, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. I'm going to try. You only need so. just, just brush it up, maintain it, you know, and then you can always, when you have a chance, you can when it, my my wife and I went on our uh, sort of belated honeymoon last summer to, to Germany. That's right, and uh, I had this problem that when I was speaking German, I kept saying "hi, hi, hi" when I wanted to say "yeah." Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, you know, but the foreign language part of your brain gets overloaded and um, yeah. get confused, but yeah, keeps it interesting. Oh, cool. Yeah, German. Yeah. I like to go to Germany. I've only been to Europe once. So Where'd you go in Europe? I went to, it was, it was related to the UN. It was the UN Human Rights Subconference. Uh-huh. UN Subconference on Human Rights. Oh, Geneva, very cool. Geneva's yeah. uh, subcourt, subheadquarters uh-huh. for the UN. So um, went there, spent two weeks in Geneva, mm-hmm. which was awesome. And then I had a, a friend of mine, he was, uh, at the time, he was uh, going to grad school also with me in, back in Japan. Mm. But he's from Spain, so he was back home in the summer at his house in Spain. And I went, took the train from Switzerland all the way through France to Spain. Oh, nice. Spent about five days in Spain. That's great. Where, the train all the way back. <laughs> where'd you go in Spain? Uh, mostly Sevilla. Yeah. Yeah. Sevilla. And he's Love from, Sevilla. He's from, a, he's from a small little town called El Rompido, which is out of a town called Huelva, which you might not know, but it's famous for one thing, the cured ham, the, the oh, Iberico right. ham. Uh-huh. It comes from, it's from that, that's like the area. Oh, I didn't know that. How about that? Yeah, Andalusia, cool. the south part of Spain, so... It was cool. I had a very similar trip from uh, when I was when I was studying in Germany and went down to um, uh, went down to through Madrid to Sevilla and then down to like uh, Malaga and uh, Costa del Sol and ended up in Torremolinos uh, with a buddy of mine. We we traveled around and had a great time. We were in uh, Sevilla for Semana Santa. Is that and like a, a big it's, festival? it's the holy, it's the holy week, the holy and it's like it's the biggest deal there, and everybody's just you know pious and and whatnot during the day, yeah. And then once the like once all the floats get put, it just gets crazy oh, and a lot of a lot of drinking and uh, yeah. but it was it was a uh, yeah good real good memories from Sevilla, a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah, I, you know I was by myself in Sevilla, but and then I. Went over to I got over to Huelva and my friend picked me up at Huelva. It was like an hour bus ride from Huelva. But um, being in Sevilla was really cool. I remember like I, was, I got on the bus and uh, I just love how you know like I mean, people are of course helpful in Japan too, but but just the, how outgoing, how direct they can be you know, in Spain. It was really cool. Right. I'm on the bus and I'm looking you know fairly like I know I got to get off at a certain station that has the maybe the old the old wall of the city. That's from like the medieval times. Right, right. And there's like a famous arc, especially like, the gate. And I'm like, the gate, the arc, I gotta go there. And I'm like looking like, eh, 
and these two old ladies just like look at me and they're like, Arco, Arco. I'm like, yes, Arco, Arco. And they're like, they look at each other and then they look back at me and then they're like, get off the bus. And like, I'm getting off the bus and they're pointing. And I just remember like, that was just really cool. And then going through the old gate and walking across, walking along this old street and getting to the hospital that I was staying, this hotel I was staying. It's got a gated doorway. And yeah. I press the button. I'm a little bit worried. <laughs> they open up. I'm like, hola. And again, and, you know, I'm staying here and I walk in and it's like this, like, beautiful, like, Spanish architecture, like, inside, like, it's all, I know what it is in Japanese, but it's, it's all open, you know, it's one of those, like, it's got the balcony, right. but it's open inside, like, right. atrium, I guess you call it. Yeah, and sounds so, right. Kind of, but with the roof on it, really, not, not open atrium. Um, and I'm just like, wow, and my room was, like, you know, small, but very nicely done and really kind of classic, and I was just like, wow, like, it's outside, it's all gated, and, and it's kind yeah. of forbidding, <laughs> but then you come inside, everyone's so nice. Yeah. So, yeah it was cool. I, I remember seeing uh, so many uh, orange trees in courtyards mm. uh, there, but it was just gorgeous just seeing, I yeah. mean, these big, beautiful, plump oranges on a, you know, on an ice green tree in a courtyard, yeah. I mean, just... Uh, not something I'm used to seeing from the Midwest. So, yeah. and it's really cool. It's different from other parts of Europe because of the Muslim influence. So you have yeah. like a cathedral that actually was a mosque first, and, right? And or just even in and even the palaces that they you know, they kept like the Muslim architecture, right? And just, just amazing, you know, really like. Yeah, just really great. And then going to my friend's place on the coast, his family home, is this family summer home, summer vacation home, is in the middle of this postcard picturesque like town where if you look at it, if you go out in the ocean and you look back on the town, it's all these little little stucco buildings with a, on the end of it is a, light, a lighthouse. Wow. It's like perfect. You know, it sounds like just like and a movie, right? It's exactly in the middle. Typically, geographically in the middle of this small little town that's maybe 20 houses or something. Just amazing. So it's so good to travel, yeah. to get out, see new things. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess um, I do want to ask you a little bit more about, so, you, so, you know, you proposed and then you came to Japan or you worked as an English teacher for six months and you got the job you have now. Right. But, you know, how has it been, like, living in Japan and, you know, what have, what have been the, like, interesting things that you thought, maybe the, the things that, the preconceptions you had before, preconception comes up as kind of a negative word, but I just, you know, the ideas you had of Japan before, and then since you've been here, like, what kind of things have you experienced? Well, um, I think, and I mean this in a very kind way to mm -hmm. Japan, but, um, you know, my job is I interact with a lot of foreign participants who come over for training courses mm -hmm. to our institute, and they're here for about four to six weeks mm -hmm. and then they go home mm -hmm. and they're they're just really awed by the way Japanese people bend over backwards to help them and mm -hmm. and, and and that's absolutely correct mm -hmm. they do and they sacrifice a lot of their time mm -hmm. for me what's a little interesting is that you know my first two weeks when I after I got here uh, to live mm -hmm. I was in the honeymoon phase, and I was yeah. like, oh, this place is just amazing, yeah. I yeah. love it, and, um, mm -hmm. you know, I had, a, I had a car in the States, and, and so I sold the car, and was able to, uh, able to take the train, yeah, but it was, it was great, I, I love taking the train, and yeah. um, it's so easy to get around, and you don't have to worry about a lot of other hassles that you do in the States, so oh, that's great, but a couple weeks into it, Couple weeks. It, couple, wow, that's couple, couple weeks into it. One more person stares at me on the train. I know. Freaks out when I speak to them. <laughs> you know the so. Uh, 
I um, walking on the left yeah. um, hand side of the street is yeah. something that you know I'm saying. Okay, you guys have imposed this artificial rule that says mm-hmm. that this is how it's got to be. Yeah. So I assume that it's an actual rule that everyone follows. Yeah. And didn't know it was such a pick and choose yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I had. A lot of You're collisions and close like calls in major like walkways and people are walking. There's a natural tendency for a certain direction to be on one side and a certain direction to be on the other side, except that yeah, ex- ex- except that yeah. people deviate from yeah. from the rule. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, being a very rule based society, that everything would be very um, that everybody would follow the rules, yeah. the unwritten rules. Mm-hmm. It sounded very Japanese, mm-hmm. but in fact. Um, of course, they don't. You've got the you've got the difficulty. Um, a guy, I think he almost wanted to, you know, knock me out yeah. uh, after I was going up the steps. Uh, maybe he was from Kansai. Okay. No offense to Kansai and or to you, uh-oh, Terrence. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> but but you know, with the with the backwards uh, the the backwards walking mm-hmm. on the stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I don't mean turning around and going backwards. I just mean that in Tokyo we walk on the you know on the escalators we stand on the left walk on the right and evidently it's backwards and, or it's the other way around in Kansai. So it, the other way is although in, we, they people say in America we don't really have the rule, but actually when I was back home in Seattle, generally it's not followed super strictly, but generally I noticed it was the same as in Kansai. So people were generally standing on the right and walking to the left. Gotcha. Generally the the people in, when they did the uh, expo in Osaka in 1972, the organizers had gotten information somehow were told by someone that in other countries you stand on the right and walk, walk on the left. <laughs> so that's why they made the rule in Kansai that way. Uh, I see, I and, see. And they said we have all these international visitors coming. It was one of the first big events in Kansai that was at the international that level. So they wanted to like make sure they had like these rules, and that's why it became that way. I see. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, and I and in Taiwan, they do follow the same as Kansai. It's even written, so mm-hmm. that's not even just something me like a, you know making some weird mistaken yeah. observation. I saw the I saw the Chinese characters. It was like I can't I don't know Chinese, but I can read the kanji. It's right. Like, Stand right. Walk left. I was like, well, understood. And that's and that's very helpful. But when you have a system like that, yeah, it it requires everybody to subscribe to it. The um, otherwise, few, otherwise yeah. it breaks down. Yeah. And so, one of the, um, I, I guess like I have one analogy and one mm-hmm. story. Um, the um, the analogy about Japan that I've come up with is Japan is like the way people ride the trains. Mm-hmm. So, on the on the outside of the train, as people are waiting on the platform, everyone's yeah. very organized and standing mm-hmm. in single file line. Yeah. And when I first came to visit, I uh, and after the first few weeks I lived here, I violated this all the time. Yeah, the American wanders around, and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm out of place. But everybody's yeah. very the old lady aside. <laughs> right? Well, I didn't push anybody aside, but 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 everybody's ordered on the on the outside. Yeah. Then the doors open up, and everything just goes crazy. Mm-hmm. People start to enter the train, and then there's the pushing and the shoving and the the elbowing mm-hmm. and. To me, it's sort of a metaphor for Japanese culture. Yeah. On the on the outside, it's all very orderly. Yeah. But when you really get to the details on the inside, yeah. it's it's not as orderly yeah. as it looks. Um, so I think 
one thing that can throw, and especially like you're kind of from the Midwest slash South, so and my dad's from the South, mm. and I think this, and, I, and then I also my family now lives in my parents live in Seattle, West Coast, so I think that kind of like, kind of like that friendly, well mannered. Like I think we are from the Northeast of the U.S. My experience with my friends from the Northeast of the U.S. They're a little bit more have that like well, you know, more people, aggressive. Life yeah. is aggressive. We got to get going. You know, like I don't mean to be rude to you, but I got to live my life kind of attitude. I think in the South and Midwest and, and the West part of the country, we're a little bit more like excuse me, yes ma'am, yes sir. You know, like that kind of culture. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're. You're probably and those very kind right of about small, that. Small manners. I think sometimes I even to this day I get really irritated with Japanese like, who bump into you and don't say excuse me. Yeah. And I've even joked with Japanese like Japanese will criticize Americans being aggressive or direct, and America as a violent society. But this and I don't really mean this is a joke, but like sometimes that violent part of the society is a good idea because it makes you go when you bump you might want to say excuse me. That's right. You don't know That's when right. that guy's gonna pull a gun out on you, you know, or a knife and shiv you. You know, it's like in Japan it's like you know you can bump into somebody and maybe if you really want to impress it, you might get into a little you know, fisticuffs. Well, but generally nothing the consequences are so low. And I just sometimes wonder, like, you can't say excuse me. Like, I think people, like, it's really bugging me. I have people, I'm trying, I'm like, I'm in a rush, and I'm, I say, excuse, I know I'm kind of bumping, I really say, oh, excuse me. Immediately I bump it up, excuse me. And the guy, the guy goes, you know, give me that, that tongue, that sound with him. <laughs> really? Wow. You know, I, I, I walked away, and I, then I realized, and coming in, and I looked back at him, and I stared at him. He was glaring at me. There's no reason to glare at somebody. I didn't bump into him that hard. It was just total, like, I'm a big baby who's in a bad mood. I'm going to click my tongue at you or whatever that sound, whatever the name of that annoying sound. Well, that, that's it's really... Stouchy in Japanese. That's, that's really perfect because it, it segues into my, my, uh, my story, mm-hmm. which is that I was, uh, in my first two weeks... Um, it's about it's yeah. about using physical mm-hmm. violence, of course, not not yeah. very extreme violence, but very okay. subtle violence. But being a little passive um, aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the I was on the train, and um, I uh, one thing I can say mm-hmm. is I'm I mean, I'm certainly not a genius, but I think a lot. So okay. I, my the wheels are always turning. Oh yeah, you don't have to be smart to think a lot. Right, I, exactly, I, exactly. I do a lot of thinking so, a lot that I don't need to be doing. In fact, so, you're probably smarter if you don't think too much. Maybe, maybe so. But I so I'm standing there on the train, and this this guy's elbow mm-hmm. is in my ribs. Okay. And I'm thinking about my language limitations, which yeah. is I can I can't say anything, yeah. you know, that I can expect him mm-hmm. to understand. Um, so. A few minutes are going by as I'm thinking, what should what should I do? What's appropriate? I know in Japan that it's crowded, and yeah. and is this what's expected? Is, mm-hmm. Am I just supposed to be quiet? Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking about all these things while I've got an elbow in my ribs, and after after a couple minutes, I turn to my wife and I say, yeah. Hey, this guy's got his elbow in my ribs. What yeah. should I What should I do? I said, Should I say something? Mm-hmm. She goes, No, just push him. And my wow. my sweet little wife, <laughs> who's as nice and adorable oh, as you could possibly man. imagine, yeah. says, "Just push him." Mm-hmm. Um, and one another version she of the story. So nice when I met her. Wow, an, I another version of the story is that she said, "Just hit him," but I can't really verify which word it was right now to hit or push. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go. I'll go with push. Yeah. But um, but. But in fact, it, it's sort of, I, I hate to say this, but you know, when people just cut in front of you yeah. in line, like you're walking in full stride. Yeah. And I, I used to like jump back and mm-hmm. I've gotten to the point where I've said, you know, if somebody's just going to butt in front of yeah. me in line, I'm just, as I'm walking, I'm just yeah. going to kick them in their heels. Yeah. And it sounds really 
mean and aggressive, yeah. but, but I feel like I've, 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 I've adapted to the culture because that's how it people works. People have the nerve to be that rude that way and bump into you and then get mad at you. Yeah, like, yeah. That's what bothers me. It's, most of the, to be honest with you, most of my experience when I've asked someone, like if they've been, like if they're doing that thing where they're kind of bumping into me, and I yeah. said, hey, so I'm saying, you know, like, most of the time I've noticed that 80% of the time the person goes, Oh, and then they maybe they don't like you know. I don't I don't need sorry. I just need hey, stop bumping. You know? Yeah, I don't need your apology. I'm sure you're just busy. You're having your own day. So as long as they just go oh, and they realize they stop the behavior, I'm pretty cool. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't need much more than that. I had a I had an interesting conversation with uh, with a with a Japanese guy mm-hmm. uh, from I think he's from Osaka actually, um, and. Um, what he what he was saying was, I, I told the story about the you know just push him, mm-hmm. and uh, and he says you know it's it's a little crazy and Tokyo's different yeah and his explanation was and I, I just read a book on Japanese history so it it, it made sense to okay. me yeah um, and I, I I said yeah based on the book I read this makes sense but he said that you know the samurai culture in in the in the Kanto region is just very much like keep your mouth shut, mm-hmm. follow the rules, um, don't say anything, and 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 maintain face. It probably makes sense. The Edo, the shogun was yeah. from Tokyo. Edo is the old term for Tokyo, and the right. shogun was there. And so that's probably where everything was strictest. You know, like the boss, the boss yeah, yeah, yeah. The government, the center of power is there. Yeah. And so you can imagine that people following the rules and the regulations. When you're out in your own home, your home domain, out, you know, hundreds right. of miles away, it might be a whole different matter. Well, and the the other thing that he was saying, that's I mean, yeah, and that's exactly right. But the, the flip side of that mm-hmm. was that that the a lot of the merchants, um, according to him, and mm-hmm. I believe according to the book I read, okay. were in the uh, in the Kansai region, mm-hmm. and the merchants. Osaka is, was until until Tokyo became dominant. <laughs> I mean, Tokyo was dominant as the seat of power since the 1600s. Right. But until Japan modernized and the economy also went to Tokyo, actually, like, for example, a lot of your most famous Japanese companies, including Panasonic, Sharp, um, uh, Daihatsu, uh, you know, there's a bunch of Minolta, yeah. Cameron, all, a lot of those companies were started in Osaka. Is that right? Osaka, I didn't yeah. know that. A well, them, what, so what, Osaka was the economic powerhouse. It yeah. Used to be, it was the merchant city. But I, I find it so interesting to think that, you know, now we, we elevate... Uh, merchants and, and and the business class to almost the highest level of, of citizens, but to, and to think about it back in the day, in the time of the samurai, where they were sort of the lowest level, the leeches, right? But 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 according to the the, the reasoning anyway was that uh, they didn't have anything other than their money because they didn't have any respect and they were they were kind of at the bottom of the barrel. So the combination of sort of humor. And saying, "Hey, I don't care. I'm not going to make a stupid decision yeah. just because I'm going to save face. I've yeah. got no face to lose." Yeah, exactly. It all. So it kind of it kind of makes sense. And I've. Uh, have you I've, had a chance to go to Osaka? I have. I no. I have been in in uh, in Kyoto okay. for a short period of Kyoto's time. Kyoto's different because Kyoto's the old capital. Right, right, in right. In some ways, Kyoto has a connection to Tokyo. Right. Both as we were both. You know, this, Tokyo is the capital now. Yeah. Kyoto's. We were the capital. We were right. actually the seat of Japanese culture. So they're a little bit. Different. I mean, there is a 
Kansai general culture, but Kyoto is kind of an exception. But Osaka is an interesting place as far as the... Um, it's not the most pretty city. People who visit different parts of Japan, mm-hmm. Osaka, like, eh, okay, it's small, kind of small, dirty Tokyo. But, <laughs> but culturally and vibe-wise, it's actually an amazing place. And the food culture there is amazing, and the comedy culture, and the whole way they interact with people. Yeah, that's, that's what I've heard. This guy also was saying that, um, you know, he was... Uh, he's from Osaka. He's out out to dinner with a friend in Tokyo, and they they got the wrong check. Yeah. And um, the they they were gonna have they were gonna have to pay more money. Yeah. And the the guy from from Tokyo or the guy from Osaka yeah. says, "Hey, uh, let me let's tell him." Yeah. yeah. And then the guy from Tokyo is like, "No, no, no! Don't say anything. Just pay it. Just pay yeah. it." Yeah. Doesn't seem to make yeah, any sense whatsoever. Make sense. Just, yeah, but 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 it, but my 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 feeling, my sense is that that's very much the way it is. You mm-hmm. just kind of keep your your eyes down, yeah. your mouth shut. Well, the other thing about a capital is that it's a bunch of different people who actually have different subcultures all coming into one place. Yeah. So, you know, look, Japanese say this. They call it Tokyo's Inakamono Atsumari. What that means is it's a gathering of a bunch of. Bum, uh, Hicks. It's a gathering of a bunch of Hicks. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I mean, hey, I'm from Missouri, so that makes yeah. sense. And you know, you grow up in the you grow up in the hinterlands of Aomori, and you graduate high school. Where are you going to go? You're going to go to Tokyo to go to college and get a job and a wife and start a family. Right. That's how you know. Unless you're going to take over a farm or whatever, you know, right. or, or stay local. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know, that was the dream. The, the dream is the, the Tokyo dream. You grow up, and your parents want to see you do that too. Yeah, get out of here, go to a great university, and get a great job. Go to Tokyo. So all these people gather in Tokyo. My mom, she told me that she left her hometown of Yamagata in northern Japan when she was maybe 18, maybe a little older. She left and uh, she, you know, her dream was to be, I think she wanted to be a hairstylist. And she went to Tokyo and she said the first few years that she was in Tokyo, she would lie to people where she was from. <laughs> she did not want to say that she was from the countryside. She said, I'm from Tokyo. They probably knew from her accent. You can try to hide it, but it probably slipped down sometimes. Now she doesn't have a, she, has, she really kind of has a kind of a neutral Japanese accent. But um, yeah, you know that's just the reality. Which getting to that, I kind of did want to talk to you. How did you meet your wife? And and uh, not to jump suddenly. It's only because my mom. Whenever I think about my mom coming out to Tokyo, that's why I just kind of think about that. Yeah. How did I meet my wife? Yeah. Well, um, the I met my wife in Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, basically she was. Uh, she was studying mm-hmm. in the Chicago area, and uh, I was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And the long story short, it's through we met through friends. Okay. Um, it what uh, just so happened is that we were both married before. Okay. Um, so I'm married and, and divorced. She's married and divorced. Okay. And we kind of met as our marriages were both falling apart, <laughs> and um, we. We realized that we had a, a lot in common, mm-hmm. and um, well, one thing led to another, and um, in a, you know, in a, in a happyish experience, that's very interesting. That's it, very, I mean, you know, to yeah, both people have a previous relationship that uh, you know it's not working out, and you meet each other, and obviously you have there's other things than that, but it's right. That had to be a. I mean, it's not. It had to be nice, but it had to be a good, like, kind of a bridging or you know, a way to make a connection. With there's, there's, there's something. Yeah, there, there's something about that that experience that does bind us because, um, imagine, if you will, I get divorced, yeah. and then I, I later on meet somebody else, 
and uh, this this other girl has never been married before, and she's wondering, well, why did you get divorced? Mm-hmm. Was it was it really your, was it your fault? Yeah, yeah. Is was it, it, is it something? Are you are you damaged goods? Is yeah, yeah. Wrong with you? Is this going to happen? Again? I actually I actually don't think that she'd look at a. a in a to, to bring something up, it might sound sexist, okay. but I don't think society looks at men as being damaged goods. Okay, I think yeah. that it'd be more likely the other way around. Even, wrongfully, even as, wrongfully, as I, should, as I said it, as I, I speak into the mic, wrongfully, society looks at it that way. But yeah, um, no, as even as I said that, that that was a that was a phrase that's very much directed towards women. What yeah. I actually meant more by that is I just meant more like I do think that a woman might go like. There might be something that I can't trust in this person because of their. And I couldn't that's, agree that's with you more. What I meant. You're exactly right. I, you know, just take the take the gender gender connotation yeah. away from the broken goods. Term. It's hard if you haven't been yeah. married. It's hard. It's hard to imagine what yeah. what it's like. No, I'm I'm sorry. It's easy to imagine what it's like. It's hard to really know what it's yeah, like. Yeah. Um, there's there's a there's a lot to work through. There's a lot yeah. of give I mean, and the take. The closest I came to is I had an ex girlfriend who was a divorcee. You know. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, I remember she told me, and I I meant it as a like, it honestly really didn't bother me at all. But I think I was interested in hearing her story about it, and I think she later told me that she told a friend that she said I think he freaked out when I told him that because I, I think I was a little bit like I was like oh really? And I was like yeah. But you want to know the background, right? I, like, I mean, if I was you're interested, like, yeah, you want to know. Right. It didn't bother me at all. I don't right. think. Look, you've been married ten times. You got issues. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah. But you know, if you're divorced once or two times, one or two times, well, okay, life, yeah. life is hard. You know, we take it serious because we think it's a contract and it's hard. But nobody goes like, you meet someone and say you're 35 and they go, I've had five past six serious relationships. No one goes, <gasps> if it's, I mean, non married yeah, Right, right, right. That means you have five. Wow, that's normal. You right. Five or six girlfriends or boyfriends. That's, you know, like no one thinks that. But if that was, a, if those were divorces, you know, to some degree that's understandable. But if you had five or six divorces by 35, sure, that's a little bit. But even one or two, some people freak out. Yeah, yeah. I think that's not. Is that fair? You know, I don't. I don't. No, think I, abs- so. I, I, I yeah. think. I think that. Uh, yeah, we, we need to we need to realize that society's a yeah. little little bit different these days than what it, than what it was. And actually, divorce is it's it's never an ideal. Nobody get, goes into it saying I want to get divorced. But I but I'll tell you this: I couldn't be happier. I'm I'm so happy I got I got divorced. And and yeah. the the thing is. Um, Things couldn't have worked out in a different way. Um, well, of course, they could have worked out in a different way. But in order for me to be with my my yeah. wife, you, yeah. Maki, yeah. it had to be in this exact way. There was no alternative way. The timing had to be exactly the way it was, or we would be with different people now. Yeah. And and I'm I'm very or the song I, Secret Love. Secret. Playing all the song. Well, no, I I, yeah, I, I mean, wouldn't have I wouldn't I mean, have met her. Ago, yeah. It would have been at different yeah. times, and it just wouldn't have worked out. But I'm I'm thrilled, and I found yeah. the person that I want to be with for the rest of my life. So that's, that's a, yeah, always that's a wonderful thing, right? That's an awesome thing. Yeah. So. What are some you know just a lighthearted thing, but. What are some things that you think are interesting as far as like clothes? I mean, it sounds like she she speaks English quite well. And, oh, she's awesome. And she's lived yeah. in the states. And she, yeah. you know, she knows America quite well. I'm sure. But what do you think are some of the interesting like fun little like cultural differences? Or you know, 
I mean, of course, every person's an individual. So, but. Yeah. I mean, if I put it from my, my, my parents' experience, I'll say this. Like, I asked my mom once, like, you know, and this is in the 70s, and plus my dad's African-American, not just American, you know, not just white American, African-American, which is even, yeah. for a Japanese woman who married a black person, especially in the 70s, it's even a bigger hurdle. Right. And uh, so I asked my mom, you know, like, you get from different cultures, completely, you know, like, like okay, different races, but different cultures, different countries. And she said, ultimately, we're both from the countryside. She's from the Yamagata, the north. My dad's from Mississippi. She said, our values are the same. You wake up early in the morning, you work a full day's full full day of work if you're a student you study hard and those things I remember both of my parents always like my the ship my dad was in the Navy and the ship would come in right? and often the school would like if your ship dad's ship was coming in those kids could okay if you weren't at school it's okay you can go to the harbor and see I see yeah 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 ship. And sometimes depending on if it was a long if it was a, if it was a long time out all the sailors would stand on the edges of the ship and it was coming look it's real ceremony they were in a ship yeah. it was happy you know uh, husbands and wives and fathers you know when it's coming home you know, it's, it's great they've been out sea for three years that's Navy life my dad if you got school you I see you there. <laughs> I whoop your behind. <laughs> I'm studying, Dad. Hey, by the way, I heard you last week. Are you sure he said I whoop your behind? <laughs> well, you're Something about, like that. Yeah. Something like oh that. no, no, no. Yeah. My dad's famous words to my brother who was in big trouble. I, I check out the other. Encourage episode. everybody to go back to yeah. the uh, last episode. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make me. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Go back. Yeah. It's a good way to promote. Episode two, two in. Episode two in. Um, yeah, no, no. But he would be like, you know, you should, you should study. You, I'll come home. You'll see me at home in the evening when you get done with school. So yeah, that was you know kind of. But just my mom, my mom telling me about like the, those values were so, you know, like that. That she just said the Japanese majime. When I learned that your father was a majime person, like a serious person, oh, like his values. Were, not that he's serious in the glum sense. Yeah. You know, but that he's, you know, he's not, he's not running around, you know, acting like yeah. That's when she said, yeah, this is the first time I was That's a little more serious, you know. Yeah, you know, uh, as far as that, the common link, I think one of our, one of our best common links is that we, we both have an appreciation for intellectual or uh, we, we both have a, an intellectual curiosity and um, we, we approach it in a very different way um, and for example I, I read I read a lot of books she reads a lot of books too she reads like you know like Taylor Genji and that kind of thing um, but she's not interested in the actual topics of most of the things that I read but we have an inquisitiveness, a common inquisitiveness, and I think that um, that helps her appreciate what it is that I read and like to talk about, and vice versa. Um, so, in a way, I mean, let's let's face it: when you're, you know, when when you're picking a wife, you're most likely think most of us are thinking about having kids, yeah, right? And um, you're thinking about like. Uh, or I, I've thought about is is my wife going to be against going to a museum? Yeah. You know, is she going? And and I with I don't know if any average wife would be against going to a museum, but I think you mean more to enthusiastic. Well, about it, right? let's yeah yeah. Uh, there, there there are some people that would put up more more resistance, mm. and for example, and in fact, 
I don't know. I mean, you you look at Japan and and you're out in public, you're on the train, yeah. and you see a lot of people, both men and women, mm-hmm. that seem to be more interested in fashion, the way they look, the way they I do the hair. Saying. Guys, you, guys, you go to. Don't mean against going to museums. No, you will not go to. You go to exactly. The museum. Oh, Let's really? Go shopping again. Like, I yeah, know exactly, kind of exactly. Vapid, like lack of intellectual you get, curiosity. I mean, I, I know, I know a guy. I know a guy that's got uh, a Nanaman pair of pants, mm-hmm. and. My wife would never do that. He's got I'd, none of your parents' pairs. No, no, they're none of my none of my pants. Um, <laughs> it doesn't work when you, when you throw it back. Right, right, it's none right. of yours instead of none of mine. None, 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 none of mine. Um, but but anyway, yeah, there's seven, a seven hundred dollar pairs of pants. Right. Pair of pants. Yeah, I mean I understand that, and it's actually one of the issues that I've had with the kind of dating and finding someone in Japan is that. There's a lot of things I find attractive about Japanese women. They look cute. They always dress up nice. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And I love Japanese culture and things like that. Um, but I do sometimes think, like, sometimes intellectualism. You know, it's, it's interesting when I meet, like, I sometimes have met Japanese women who are almost anti-feminist. Like, <laughs> You're right. You don't have to be right. a feminist. You know, everyone doesn't have to be a raging bra burner. <laughs> like, when I'm more from women's rights than you are, it's like, oh. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, when you sit there and you look me in the eye and go, what's wrong with women serving the man the tea? The man works hard. Really? Yeah. I talk to you. It's done. Like, yeah. It's finished. Like, I'm tired. You don't have to be, like, super liberal, but come on, you know, like. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're, like, my, one of the great things about, um, the relationship I have with my wife is she works hard. She works harder than I do. I can't believe how hard she works. But um, but there's you know I I knew what I wanted, which is not I don't want a relationship that I dominate. I want a relationship that I share with somebody, and that over time we we grow together and and experience life, and we're we're real partners in life. That's cool. Not not a dominant. Yeah, you know, personality a, yeah, that says you're going to do this because I'm the man. You know, yeah. I mean, I want to work together, and that's what that's what yeah. we do. So, um, we, you know, and we, well, we I went love to say that you're going to do this because I'm the man, and I love my wife or my girlfriend to go. No, you're going to do this because I'm the woe the man. man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, baby, I'm doing okay. <laughs> Where should I clean? <laughs> it's the, the the right amount of tension, right? <laughs> um, but you know, we went to Kamakura yesterday, yeah, and cool. we we don't get too many days to have that that mm-hmm. kind of common experience. Yeah. But we're both. We're both, you know, fascinated. We have limits on our knowledge of mm-hmm. Minamoto and yeah. um, uh, all that stuff. But, yeah. but, uh, you know, we went. I'll give you an example. So after looking around at the shrines, she wants to go look at flowers, and we both went and look at flowers, and we're like, we we just deal with it as it is, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. and they were they were it was a pretty flower garden. Yeah. We go up to see uh, Yoritomo's yeah. gravesite, and then I say, hey, you want to you want to climb up the. Uh, climb up the mountain and take a look up off the top Mm -hmm. and she's wearing like you know boots and you know like kind of dressy clothes as I'm in my jeans and she's like yeah let's go you know so it's just that kind of like so we're we're climbing up this mountain and um and it's just stuff that we experience together in a fun way and nobody has to like what my wife and I do together. Mm-hmm. They have to like what they do with their yeah. with their significant other. Yeah. So for us, it was just very. We were a great day of being on the same page, That's and 
you know, that's kind of what it's about. Favorite, like I went to at the uh, in Roppongi at Roppongi Hills, the Modi Tower has like a the top floor is like a museum like space. Oh yeah. And they had an exhibit called the Love the Love Exhibit, and it's just like a bunch of art. But the theme is kind of around love. Uh -huh. Some of it's kind of erotic, some of it's kind of more grotesque, but it is more like cutesy. But they have quotes from people about love. And uh, the guy who wrote the Little Prince, Song Dixperi or whatever his name is, the guy who okay. wrote the Little Prince, he had a great quote. His quote was, "Love is not." Loving, love is not looking at each other, looking at looking into each other's eyes. Love is looking in the same direction together. No, oh, that's yeah. brilliant. It's like, wow, that is, that is so true. Yeah, it's like it's not. Ooh, I love it. that's romance and that's cute. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. We're looking together. It's that journey you're gonna take. You know, you're looking in the same direction. That is deep. Yeah, I really love that quote. And I was really thinking, like, wow, that's a really great like, thing about love. I, I think it's kind of funny. Your your description was like it was a little bit. Uh, a little bit erotic and a little bit grotesque. Yeah, it was a cool exhibit. <laughs> Fascinating. Not bad. Fascinating. Fascinating. No, but there was, you know, what's that? What's that? Um, Araki. That you know, the photographer Araki. He's kind of I don't. As far as like bound women and like. Oh, okay. You've probably, oh, see. probably seen it. American example would be like Robert Robert Mapplethorpe or something. Like the okay. Guy who does all the naked men, naked men and women. And like, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know. But yeah. You know. So uh, there were some of his photos. There's some things that like a heart that's kind of bleeding. You know, that's what I mean. It's like it was oh, very. I see. I see. It was that's a good the kind of grotesque. It was a good example. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, it's been quite a, we're over an hour. So I'm sure we, can, we went way over time. I think but, we can wrap uh, it up. Uh, sounds good. Yeah, man. Thanks for doing this. Thanks a lot for uh, having me on. Yeah. No, no problem. Anytime. Been a pleasure. All right, man. Hope I can come back sometime. Definitely. <laughs> Maybe Thanks a lot, back and Maybe come back and we'll do a more co-hosting type. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right, man. Cool. All right. Thanks, Thanks. a lot, man. Yeah. And we're back. Wasn't Tom a great interview? Man, I mean, there's nothing better than a guy who, who talks, talks a lot, talks smart, talks funny, talks interesting. It was a bit long, hour and ten minutes, but I think we both had a good time and, you know, time just flew. We just, we had a few things to talk about and... Hopefully, I'm using the word hopefully a lot. I know it's a habit. Hopefully, definitely, definitely, hopefully, you enjoyed it. That was the show. You can find, hopefully, you've already found the website, but if you haven't, you can find me or the show at www.findingjapan.com. And yeah, I'll be back soon because I've got another interview in the, in the works and hopefully a few more. I think it's gonna be good. Uh, promises, you know, are often broken, so I don't like to make too many of them. But I'll definitely be back soon, at least for one more. And I hope to be back. There we go again. Definitely hope. I hope to be back more often. Alright, take it easy, and yeah, see you guys again soon. Bye bye.